Welcome to this week's bonus interview on the Prayers of Rest podcast. I'm Kendra Stanton, your co-host, and this week, Asherita is joined by her friend Melissa Zaldivar to talk about praying for the singles in your life. Melissa Zaldivar is a social in the world of academics and an academic in the world of socials. She's an author and podcast host with a bachelor's in communication and a master's in theology. She loves a good sandwich, obscure history, and wandering around New England antique shops. She's also the host of Cheer Her On, a podcast that focuses on discipleship among women in the church. In this week's interview, Asherita and Melissa talk about how we can pray for our single friends and why singleness doesn't automatically mean that a person is less fulfilled in life. I think you'll especially enjoy the part where they discuss misconceptions about singleness, as well as how both marriage and singleness point to the big M, Marriage Supper of the Lamb. Let's jump right in. Melissa, thanks for joining me to talk about praying for singles in our lives. I thought of you, um, A, because... I feel like you've become such a dear friend over the last few months that we've been working together on prayers of rest. Mm-hmm. Um, but also you're single and also True. you have been quite open in writing about this on Instagram and even um, organizing some events for singles and their friends. So we yeah. just felt like this would be a really helpful conversation um, because there, there can be some like awkwardness sometimes, some tension in, in talking with our single friends about singleness and and how do we pray and what's the right thing to say. And so I just thought I'd have you on to share about that. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's an important topic. And, you know, while it's different for everybody, there are really simple ways that we can connect to our single friends and pray for our single friends and and things like that. And so um, sometimes we just need to be told I'm learning a little bit about like, here's how to love them in tangible ways. And that means a whole lot um, because there's effort being made and so my married friends, the majority of my friends are married. And one of my favorite things is talking about married people and single people and how we can all work together and advocate work for one another. And so I'm excited. Yeah. So as you think about just this season of singleness or, or this stage that you're in, um, let's just dive deep because that's how I do things we around here. Well. We might as <laughs> we well. Might as well. Um, what What do you feel is one of the primary things that you've learned about God and his faithfulness, um, in, specifically in this area of your life? Mm. You know, I think that the Lord advocates for us, and um, he is there. You know, we're told the Holy Spirit is our advocate. And, like, what does that really mean in today's culture where you can be pretty independent um, as a human being? I'm not super stressed out about, like, oh, my gosh, like, How am I going to do very simple things? Um, But sometimes it gets complicated. It gets lonely. It gets hard. And um, a great example of this is literally two days ago, I or I guess on Friday, we're recording this on a Monday. So like four days ago, um, there was a situation where this light came on. It was like the mileage time to like get my oil changed. And I was just like, like, you know, it's it's not payday yet. And it's just money that you have to spend. And you don't have another person who maybe you have like um, a second income coming in or something like that. And so it was just one of those little things that happens every once in a while where I'm like frustrated that I have to just do this by myself. And I was feeling all of those things. And I was like, Jesus, like, I know that you're going to provide and I know that it's going to be fine. But like, I feel frustrated because this is just another thing I have to do as a single person 
by myself. And it's not like everything I do. It's not like I go grocery shopping and I'm like, I'm alone. Um, but it was just one of those things where it was like ugh, another adulting sort of moment uh, by myself. And so I was like, Lord, I know you'll provide and it'll be fine. But I'm just annoyed that I have to spend money on an oil change right now. And uh, I went there and Sam, my mechanic, who's wonderful, we started chatting and and talking about just different things. And he's really interested in social media. And that's part of the work that I do. And so talked about, you know, he wants to know how can I make my uh, like the mechanic shop? Like, how can I make this garage like show up on Google better? And so we're like just talking about that stuff. And it's fun, you know, while he's changing my oil. And at the end of it, because it was just like a helpful conversation, he looks at me and he hands me my keys. And I was like, okay, great. Like, how much do I owe you? And he's like, you know what? Just don't worry about it. And he just gave me an oil change. And while that doesn't happen Aww. all the time, it was a really beautiful example of I prayed about it instead of just complaining about it. I brought it to the Lord and I said, Lord, like this is this feels hard today and I don't know why. And and he just answered in this really sweet way but with this really sweet mechanic. And, you know, Sam doesn't know Jesus and he doesn't know that like that was ministering to me in some way, but it was a way um, I think sometimes when you bring things to the Lord, you can see how he's answering prayers rather than things just happening serendipitously. Mm-hmm. Um, you see it as an answered prayer. And so things like that have been really sweet. Man, we've been talking about this all of last season in praying through hard emotions, which is when we feel hard things, we have permission to bring them to God. Like he's not embarrassed by them. <laughs> he's yeah. not like, oh, I can't believe you're feeling that way. Like he actually wants us to be honest and, and bring those hard things. And in that that difficulty, in in just the heaviness of those emotions, um, that's where we get to experience God's grace. And so I appreciate you sharing that story that what other people might chalk up for a coincidence, like, oh, you know, that's so nice that Sam did that for you. You experienced as God providing for you and and listening to your prayers. Um, and I love that you just, this is part of the reason I wanted to chat with you about this, is that you have a heart that is open to Jesus in in walking through life with him and doing life with him um and what that looks like for you as a single woman sometimes is probably different than what it looks like for me as a married woman but a lot of times it's probably a lot more overlap than there are mm. differences yeah I, I absolutely i think you know all of us are experiencing our faith and our relationship with jesus in a really unique way and yet he's consistent right one of the attributes of god is that he's unchanging he's immutable and therefore the jesus i experience is the jesus that you experience and so his heart it's not like he's compassionate toward me and not toward you because you're married or vice versa like it's not like he is good to you for having uh provided a really great spouse um and now he's like withholding from me because i'm still single like you know, I think we we sometimes think that God is is not consistent, um, but it's like, but if he's good, then he's good in this and he's good in that. And he's good in both of those places. And I also do feel the need to mention just for the listener, there have been plenty of times when I've been like, Lord, I don't know what's going to happen here. And I have not been met with free oil changes. Like I've been met with <laughs> more hard or more sad or more frustrating or you open up social media and it's like 19 people got married, bought a house or had a kid. But like at the same time, you know, it's um, there's always a gentle reminder, but sometimes it does take time. It's not always quite that immediate. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think that disclaimer is helpful because we're not here uh, puddling snake oil. Like, just turn to yeah. Jesus and <laughs> you'll have all your yeah. needs immediately met. Yeah. It's not well, a genie in a bottle situation. Exactly. Well, and, and there's this idea of of prosperity theology for, for the listener who's like, who's this girl? So a lot of my background is, is theology. I have a master's degree from Gordon-Conwell, and this is something I love talking about, is how do we make theology accessible um, to all of us? It's not this big, heady, intimidating thing. It's literally the study of God, and all of us have opinions about God. Therefore, all of us are theologians. And so when we think about who God is, and we think about, for example, his goodness, um, his goodness has to be true all across the board. And I love what you said about snake oil because there are all of these marketing ploys in the world around us to get us to buy things, to get us to subscribe to things, to get us to join things. And Christianity is not that. In fact, the directions we're given with Christianity is like, give it away, give it away, give it away, not sell it, sell it, sell it. And so, you know, there's this idea of something called the prosperity gospel, which is the idea that when you believe in God, you will prosper and everything will be amazing and all your problems will be solved and you won't have any financial woes. And, and you know, there's this idea of prosperity preaching, which is telling people, yeah, God will just make your life amazing all the time if you follow. And I think sometimes without realizing it, we turn our understanding of marriage into a sort of prosperity gospel of, well, if you just stop trying, then God will provide a spouse for you. Or if you just do this thing, or if you just believe this thing, or if you maybe put yourself out there in this way, like God will do this thing for you. Um, as if we know, you know, people say like, oh, you're, you know, especially in my 20s, they'd be like, oh, like your husband, I'm sure he's he's going to be amazing. He's going to be this like mighty man of God and he's going to be this and that. And I'm like, oh, have you met him? Because <laughs> um, I'd really love if you'd introduce us. But like the reality is we often promise things that we just don't have the right to promise. Like if the Lord allows for that to happen, great. But we can't pretend that our only aim in relationships is like, let's just get you married. Because in doing that, what we're perpetuating is prosperity gospel and the idea that if you do this, then this thing will happen that will be positive. Um, and we never consider that maybe God will be just as good um, if I'm single the rest of my life. And, you know, maybe I won't have kids that take care of me when I'm old, but I already have one of my nieces lined up. She says she's in. So, like, <laughs> it'll be fine and we'll get there when we get there. But, um, you know, we have to be so careful, I think, when we talk about marriage with our single friends, especially to not say this is the thing that you're trying to arrive at. We're trying to arrive at holiness. We're not trying to arrive at the altar. And sometimes people think, you know, or we're trying to arrive at the altar where we sacrifice um, what we want in uh, exchange for what God has for us. And we're not uh, trying to get to the altar where we get to say, I do. Um, I have a lot of opinions about this, obviously, but that is an encouragement um, to the listener. Marriage is good. I love marriage. I've been a wedding photographer for years. I've photographed over like 45 weddings. Um, but I also recognize that uh, that's it's hard. It's not simple. And it is not the be all end all of uh, the Christian faith on this side of eternity. Man, preach it, sister. <laughs> I think, you know, as I, as I ponder the friendships that I have with people who are single in my life, whether they've never married or they were married and they're now divorced. Um, Flavia and I are getting to that stage in our lives where we now know friends who married out of college and are now divorced. And mm. it's, it's heartbreaking to see that happen. Um, 
or there's some friends who've lost their spouse through death. And and it makes me feel kind of old to be like, wow, we're already at that place where yeah. there are shifts in in marital relationships. So singles from all different reasons, all different kinds of reasons. Um, and I feel like <laughs> typically when I think of how I pray for them, it's more geared toward that individual. Um, and so this might be a difficult question for you to answer. There's not a blanket statement. But sure. when someone's thinking like, how do I pray for my friend who is single? Uh, what are some of the primary needs that pop up? Yeah. You know, I think our approach has to be pastoral. And when I say pastoral, I don't mean big P pastor on staff at a church. I mean, pastoral as in um, compassionate and caring. You can think about a pastor, that word is literally translated as a shepherd. And so you think about caring for some sheep and making sure that they're okay. Like that's what the the pastor in the local church is called to do. But I think that there's also a spirit that we can have um, of pastoral care and loving one another and being compassionate and protecting one another like a shepherd. Um, if we're supposed to be made uh, into the image of Jesus in some way, and he is our good shepherd, then like we should have those qualities as well. And so when you step back and you want to care for somebody in a pastoral way, in a compassionate way, we could say, um, the first thing is to figure out like, where is their head at? And therefore, you know, it's not a circumstantial thing. It's an emotional thing. It's a relational thing. Singleness is kind of this all-consuming low hum that's always there. Sometimes we're very aware of it. Sometimes we're not aware of it, just like marriages as well. It's not like you think to yourself, like, I'm going and putting gas in my car like a married person. Like, you wouldn't do that. <laughs> um, there are some things where you just don't even notice. Um, and then there are other things where you do notice, like the fact that I sleep in a twin bed. Um, or if I am in a larger bed, if I'm like staying um, at a friend's house or something, there is uh, there's a space there. And so that's part of why I sleep in a twin bed. Um, but, you know, I think when we when we step back and we say, OK, how are our single friends feeling? Number one, you can ask them like you can ask, like, how has it been for you to be single and not say, how can I fix you? How can we make it different? Um, because the reality is that's not the goal, right? Like the goal is to live uh, in holiness where we're at. But I think asking those questions will be really revealing, especially to a lot of married people who make assumptions. You know, a few years ago, I did just a poll on Instagram one day. I was really curious. And I said, hey, like, when you meet someone above the age of, say, 25, because when you're in your early 20s, like, you're so young and um, I feel like singleness has felt differently after the mm -hmm. age of 25, after the age of 35, et cetera, et cetera. And so uh, I said, you know, when you meet someone who's single, what are the thing? What's the first thing that goes through your head? And I asked married people to answer, and the responses were like fairly not surprising but alarming. Um, where they were responding, well, I think that that person must have some sort of trauma, and they're not good at relationships, or I think that that person you know, has had something happen in their past where they just don't know how to commit to things. I think that that person just isn't putting themselves out there. Like there were all these really big assumptions that had to do with the character of a person. And just as you mentioned, there are, there are marriages that are over when we're in our thirties. Like 
you know, you can't say, well, married people are the ones who figured it out because that's not true either. Like we're all yeah. in the middle of sanctification that is being made more like Christ um, and being made more holy. And so therefore, like you can't say that the single person is just screwed up and a married person figured it out. But yet that is often where our hearts tend to go with married people. Um, or it's like, I feel sad, like you sad person, like you are a spinster. Um and it makes me think about just the posture that we carry. Um, something, you know, this is a kind of random historical connection, but not random if you know me. But there is a writer named Louisa May Alcott who wrote Little Women, and she's very famous uh, for that. And she never got married. Um, she was single her whole life, and she um, was okay with that. And at one point, she wrote an article uh, for, like, a local magazine. You can probably Google it and find it. It's one of my favorites. Um, and it's about different spinster women, single women who were, um, you know, doing different things with their lives, but they never got married. And the article was literally titled, it was literally titled Happy Women. And <laughs> I loved that posture of this is not like, look, they're making it work. It was like, these women are okay. Um, and so I think just coming to our friends and saying, how can I pray for you specifically? Yes. But also recognize there's probably a lot of hurt. Like we are very aware that people think that we're broken, that people think that we've messed up, that we don't know how to commit, that we um, aren't willing to, quote unquote, put ourselves out there. Um, but it's just different. And especially as we get older, what we need is the compassion of other people saying, wow, that's not super simple. Um, and I think that opens up opportunities not just to pray for us, but to love us in tangible ways. I think of my friends, Clay and Laura, um, who live down the street and go to my church. and. Uh, he is like a hundred percent a helper about everything. And so every year, um, twice a year, we have this sort of standing date where, uh, they'll come over and he will put in or take out my AC units in my windows because it's just one, I've dropped one out the window. It's not great, but it's one way that he can care for me and he can say, Hey, I'm not going to make a big deal. I'm not going to say, Oh, you poor sad sap. But he says, Hey, it's getting warm. Um, are you wanting to put in your window units? I'll come over and do it for you. And it's offering and it's being kind and compassionate. And so think about where they're coming from. And for some of us, it's not a big deal to be single. For some of us, it's a very big deal. Um, this is not what some people want at all. This is what some people are fine with. So just ask your friends certainly, but recognize that we're already hard on ourselves. We already feel like we're not enough. We already feel like no one wants to choose us. And when we have those assumptions, like my friends on Instagram, um, it kind of confirms that I think a lot of us, w even if we're not trying to intentionally, um, we naturally lean toward those sort of judgments as well. And that just doesn't really help. So clearing that up, I think is really helpful and coming at it with compassion rather than assumption is, um, totally clutch. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I mean, this is done in the context of relationships and, um, just thinking of, our own local church and our experience, like our small group is geared around young married with children. And mm -hmm. so much of our circles are kind of, uh, it, it feels like we're pivoting around the center of gravity that is family. Um, and so even just in preparing for this conversation with you, I was thinking like, if I'm not purposeful in folding singles into our activities and, um, initiating those invitations it just never happens naturally mm -hmm. yeah um and yet like i i don't know i think for me 
because I have someone to sit next to in church in the pew every Sunday, I don't think about walking in by myself, sitting by Mm. myself, you know, because I have someone to share Sunday lunch with. Um, It just doesn't naturally come to mind like, oh, there are people who go home and eat lunch by themselves on Sunday. Like, yeah, um, this is and and our episode on praying for singles in our lives is about the body of Christ and, and the importance of every person to the body of Christ. But I think you're right in those relationships, those conversations, they're so individual. They're so personal to say, how is it for you to be single? And how can I come alongside you? Not trying to fix something that's broken, but simply to love you and include you. Yeah. I mean, you think about um, as you were sort of sharing that experience of naturally you wouldn't bump into single people and it takes a little extra effort, you know, kind of stepping back like that allows us to think through the experience of singleness and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. So for example, if I don't make lunch, I don't eat lunch. If I don't make dinner, I don't eat dinner. If I don't go grocery shopping, like no one can say, you know what, I'm going to go grab us something. Um, and so I was telling someone that, you know, there are 21 meals in a week, uh, in theory, and, uh, we're not even counting snacks and coffees, right? But like, (laughs) if there are 21 meals in a week, that's 21 times that I have to figure it out by myself. And so when I have friends who say, Hey, want to come to dinner, want to come to lunch? Can we bring you something or, you know, let's have breakfast on a Saturday or whatever that is. That is one less meal. And that is so helpful um, to open our homes or to drop off things. I have a friend named Tracy who every single week, just this morning, she texted me, hey, I'm going to the grocery store. Do you need anything? Um, Because sometimes all of a sudden my fridge is empty and I'm like, oh no. And I'm like already in my PJs. And I'm like, if I want to eat something for breakfast, I got to get dressed and go out again. And all of us do that, right? Like all of us have that feeling. But to know that there's someone else who's ready to, to step in and say, hey, do you need something? I can say to her, oh, you know what? I'm almost out of milk. That would really save me, you know, a day or two of having to go to the store. That'd be awesome. Um, mm-hmm. And so we don't have built-in partners. We don't have built-in, like you said, people to sit with at church. And so inviting us in, not, again, making a big deal like, you're sad and alone. Come hang out with us. Saying, <laughs> hey, come hang out with us. Like, no one was ever offended by being loved um, and cared for and thought of. Um And so, you know, I think it it does a lot of good for the relationships of married and single people in the church to say, hey, we see you. Um, We're not going to make a big stink about it, but we would love to share a meal because if you're already feeling like feeding, for example, like with your family, you got five people in your family. Like if you're it it wouldn't be that hard to feed six people for a meal. Like if you're already feeding five, like just add another plate. Um, But that sometimes is something we just don't naturally think of. And so opportunities like that are super helpful and speak volumes to being seen and cared for. Um, and they're pretty game changing, I think, for a lot of single people. Mm, yeah. Um, one of the things I love that you do on Instagram is you will occasionally post either stories or reels that are just like take a breath for your soul. <laughs> just take some time away from the noise, even if you're actually yeah. watching this on social media. Uh, but just like recognize that we're not made for the super fast pace. Um, and so it's a mm-hmm. moment for us to be still, a moment for us to rest, which is um, right in line with the Prayers of Rest podcast. Um, so I'm wondering where did that come from for you and what role has stillness, and just being quiet with God 
Um, what role has that played in shaping your understanding of Bing Signal? Hmm. Um, well, I, I move at a fast clip. That's just sort of the way that I often am. Um, I'm the type of person that there's always something going on and things like that. And my name, Melissa, means honeybee. Um, and so growing up, yeah, I know. It's so, you. <laughs> yeah. And so um, growing up, oh, you're a busy little bee and whatever, whatever. And I remember the the time, though, that that started to feel a little bit like, oh, I don't know if I want that. Um, and I started really paying attention to the pace at which I was doing things. Now, for reasons uh, that are very human, like insecurity and wanting to earn my value, like I worked really hard and I like all through high school, I was in like 15 clubs in high school. Um, but I think as I've grown up, one of the things that the Lord has been kind to kind of grow up in me um, is this desire for slow and for still. And so, you know, I live just north of Boston um, amongst the marshlands and farmlands of um, early America. And so because of that, uh there is a sort of slowness naturally. It's a small town. I like to joke that it's like a Stars Hollow vibe, like Gilmore Girls. And I think it's been good for me to physically move myself here because I knew it would slow me down. Um, I've had times when I have walked into a counseling session and I've my therapist says, how's the week going, you know? And and I've been like, oh my goodness. So I'm thinking about this and this and this and this and this. And I've had her literally be like, hold on and like slow me down and have me just take some deep breaths. And then almost always I just start crying. Because I realized that my busyness has become a badge, as my friend Hannah would say, and my busyness is masking the fact that I'm trying to, um, in some ways, earn affection or love or acceptance or whatever that is. And so, you know, the busyness piece is is crazy, but the quietness has been a real discipline, but has been a really sweet thing. And so, you know, when I moved up here, I knew that statistically, um, this was a couple years ago, statistically... Uh, there aren't very many Christians in New England. And so the chances of meeting someone were really low. But I also knew that I felt like the Lord was calling me to be still and to be slow. Um, and so you're right, even though it's the internet and we're scrolling past a thousand things, you know, you can scroll through your phone and in a matter of 10 seconds, a baby is born and a terrorist attack happens and someone got a dog and someone slipped on ice. And it's just like this never ending barrage of content. Um, and we get what I like to call content fatigue. Um, and so I've just been thinking, like, if the Lord is slowing me down in this season and allowing me to um, take the risk of maybe even being single longer or forever um, as a result of or, you know, forever on this side of eternity um, as a result of, uh, you know, the the move here, um, maybe there's an opportunity to encourage other people toward that and to say, hey, here's something beautiful. Like, let's slow down together Um because it has done my heart a lot of good. Um, I find that we often will interrupt and talk over God if we're staying busy. But when we slow down, it's a way of saying, what do you think? And pausing the conversation. It's like that moment when you're sitting with some friends and you realize, oh, I've been talking most of the time about myself or like I've been filling up. If say there's three of us, I've been filling up more than a third of this conversation. Um, it's a way to pause and say, what about you? And um, to really remember that God is the one that we should be listening to. Um, I mean, he's fully aware of everything. So I don't need to fill him in on every single thing I'm thinking all the time, but I can make space for us to experience these things together and to in invite him into it in that way. And even though he is omnipresent, he is always present. Um, us inviting him is really about our posture and saying, God, I want you here and not just you are here and by default you're here. 
Yeah. Um, so Melissa, as we're wrapping this up, um, often we share our stories when we're on the other side of something hard. But there's no plot twist here where suddenly we're like, and last week you met Prince Charming and you're living happily ever after. <laughs> and so, yeah, that season of singleness was hard, but here we are now. God is good. And this is great. Um, it, part of what I love to do is to talk to people in the middle of the hard, in the middle of trusting God's faithfulness. And so... I'm wondering, what does it look like for you to keep reminding yourself of the gospel, of the good news, when you do become discouraged? Uh, What does it look like to actively trust God um, as you walk into an uncertain future? Like, There's no guarantee that um, a year from now you'll be engaged or 20 years from now you'll be engaged. there is a day-by-day walk of faith, uh, whatever this looks like, I'm going to trust you. And I know that's your your heart posture, so forgive me if I'm putting words into your mouth. But I, I would just love to hear kind of what does that talking to yourself look like where you you remind yourself to trust in God's faithfulness? Yeah. Um, specifically around singleness, I would say – you know, in the book of Revelation, we'll just go there for a second, casual <laughs> revelation. In the book of Revelation, it talks a lot um, about this thing called the marriage supper of the Lamb. And that is when the bride of Christ, that is the local church, um, and the bridegroom, which is Christ, are united. Um, and there's this big wedding celebration and things like that. And so, you know, marriage on this side of eternity is kind of a foreshadowing of that, right? Like, we talk about how Jesus loves the church like a groom loves a bride, like cool. And then we go to a wedding and we're like, see, this is like a small taste of what it'll be like one day. But as the bride of Christ, that means that we get to be united to Christ. We get to be intimately close with him. We get to um, be in a place where we know what it means to be united to him in a way that we're only really a shadow of um, on this side when we see marriage. Um, and so something that I like to call that is big M marriage. And then we have little M marriage over here in, in this life as we know it. And and while marriage is a good and beautiful thing and it points to the union of Christ to believers and the ways that we will fully be one with him one day, just like we talk about you know, we're moving toward oneness in Christ, right? Um, That union and that image and that intimacy is something that all of us will get to experience one day because we're all part of the bride of Christ. And so, you know, one of the things I say is like, the reason that it hurts sometimes is because we're made for it. Like we are made for marriage with a big M, like hear me in context, people. (laughs) We are all made for this big M marriage. And therefore I will know union and intimacy and partnership, like all of these things in the fullest sense alongside you, alongside um, other believers, like we will get to experience that. And so therefore on the days when it aches, I can say, but you know what, one day I won't know what it will feel like to wonder or to ache or to ask questions because I will be fully united to Christ and I will know. Um, This word yada in Hebrew means to know by experience. And it's often spoken in two contexts. One is the union of a husband and wife in that way. Um, and which is said in italics in that way. Um, but the other way is that it's, uh, talking about the people of God, knowing God by experiencing who he is, that it's not just that they thought, oh, I heard that God can do this thing, but they were like, I saw it with my own eyes. I felt it in my heart. Like the Lord did this thing. And, you know, over and over in scripture, God, 
encounters his people and they know him by experience. And so, you know, one day I will fully know with a capital K what it is to be married with a capital M. Um, and whether or not I experience that here, like this is a blip compared to eternity. So on the days when I need just perspective, that's one thing that I'll say um, is to say, you know what, if you're aching for it, it's because you're made for it. And that's an okay thing. That's a good thing. Um, and even if I never experience it um, in this life, I will know it for eternity and that will be good. Um, and it is a good thing to love. It is a good thing to honor. And as a single person, I also get to step in and say, my singleness is not a reflection of someone else's relationship. So for example, I hear single people um, often say, oh gosh, like someone else just got engaged. Like, great, like another one, like I got to go without my plus one or whatever. And we act as though someone else finding um, that person to marry. uh, Oh my goodness. Like that speaks about my singleness. Like here I am, like if one more person gets engaged, I'm going to, you know, jump off a bridge, whatever. And it's like, whoa, 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 hold on. Like, you being married is a good and beautiful thing. And just because you're married doesn't mean that I'm like a garbage person. (laughs) And I think sometimes we, as single people, we take that on ourselves of like, why doesn't anyone want me? But the reality is like, we can still celebrate. So I want to celebrate marriage. I want to remember that I'm bound for big M marriage in the marriage supper of the lamb. Um, But on the days when it's really hard, I also want to say like, it's okay if you don't get there. Like that has taken me a lot of years of working it out and and being intentional and studying the word and saying, what do I think about this thing? Um, But there are days that it's just a bummer. Um, There are days that it's just hard. And I think in order for us to need a savior, we need saving and we need um, someone to meet us when we don't have enough and when we are in need of rescue. And so in that, I think there's an invitation for, to be reminded that Jesus is our savior, that he's the one who's going to show up for this, that he's the hero of the story. And therefore, you know, if if your savior, as I like to say, like, if your savior can't meet you in the dust, right? Like if he can't enter in, like we are literally dust as created beings and Jesus shows up in the flesh and in the metaphoric dust as a little baby to come and love us and save us. And like, If your savior can only get to you if you're a certain way or you have a ring on your finger or you're put together, then like that's not much of a savior. But like if he can't meet you in the dust, he can't meet you. And so I think about Jesus and and in the dust when I'm having those sort of moments where I'm like, I just can't get up. I just feel overwhelmed. It's like, well, great. Jesus loves you just as much here as he would if you were all figured out and you had this um, whole theology of marriage and you felt amazing about your purpose because I have that theology and I think about that a lot, but there are days that I'm just over it and that I'm frustrated. Um, and in those moments, I think Christ, because again, he doesn't change. He's always good. Um, he's going to meet me in that too. And so the reminder is like, yes, like we are but dust, but he meets us in the dust. And therefore come hell or high water, like he is ours in sickness and in health. Um, in, for richer, for poorer, for better, for worse. And that is a good thing to be reminded of, um, that we're never truly by ourselves because we have a Savior who meets us in everything. Mm-hmm. Melissa, thank you for that. Um, thank you for sharing the good news that we do have a Savior, that our single friends need saved and our married friends need saved. <laughs> and yeah. We all need uh, that reliance on Jesus um, more than we rely on whether or not there's a ring on our finger. So I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. 
I hope Melissa's story encouraged you to recognize God's faithfulness in your own life, whether you're single or you're praying for your single friends. Remember, you can always go back to listen to this week's prayer episode, which will guide you in praying for singles in your life. And if you enjoyed this conversation, you can connect with Melissa on Instagram to keep the conversation going. Her handle is at Melissa Zaldivar. You can also gain access to bonus content and transcripts for this episode through our Patreon prayer community. To find more information about how to join our prayer community, go to prayersofrest.com and click the support us button. The Prayers of Rest podcast is a production of One Thing Alone Ministries, helping you enjoy Jesus through creative Bible habits. Many thanks to Angie Elkins for her editing assistance. And again, I'm Kendra Stanton, helping produce this show. And thank you for joining us here today. Until we meet again, may you find rest in God's loving presence.